All right. That sounds okay. Yeah, you sound great. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, I need my confidence needed that. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. So I ordered Pip's dog food from Walmart because um, it's like a Walmart brand dog food that I give her, oh. but they don't always have it in store. And so I went to both Big Walmart and Small Mart. They didn't have it. So I was like, I'm just going to have to order it online. So it was, I don't know, 39.82. Whatever it was, I was... 18 cents away from getting free shipping oh. and free shipping was like $6 or shipping was $6 yeah. or something. So I thought, what am I going to order? Just I just need 18 some... more cents. Yeah. yeah. So I just ordered toothpaste Oh, because cool. you can always have <laughs> extra toothpaste, sure. whatever. So I just ordered toothpaste, gave me free shipping and all of that. And then I got a text message that my order was being delivered. This is the same day. Okay. Oh, a guy in his little Nissan, whatever, drives up and brings me my toothpaste in a Walmart sack. Just like, the toothpaste? <laughs> like, Walmart, it would have been better for you to just give me the free shipping on my dog food. Oh, my word. How strange that they're like, oh, well, we'll just send someone out to bring you just your toothpaste. I mean, I figured that if it was for free shipping, they would ship it with the, the dog food. In the, yeah. So then I felt like I needed to explain myself to him. Like, oh, you t- you t- so you told him the whole thing? Well, yeah, I said, what? I thought this would be coming with my dog food. This is Be Grateful, a podcast about finding fullness through creativity. I'm Joe. And I'm Madison. And today on episode 78, we're talking about excellence or perfection. Yeah. Which are they the same it? thing? Yeah. Is there a different? Well, which do you choose? There's only one healthy answer. <laughs> sure, there's one healthy answer. But I think we tend to uh, skew to that unhealthy answer. Yes. Sometimes I wonder if people actually are perfectionist or if they just think it makes them look good if they say that they are which in itself is maybe i mean a i type hope of not perfectionism because anyone who's an actual perfectionist will tell you that it's a burden mm-hmm. maybe it's like the same kind of thing when you're like busy bragging oh i'm so busy i have all of this stuff mm-hmm. to do i don't know it's yeah. that sort of like medal of honor that's like, oh, look at how hard I'm working. Yeah, I'm hustling so hard. Oh, I just can't help it that I'm just a perfectionist. Everything I do is amazing. Oh, is maybe it's one of the lies you tell in a or like thing ways that you build yourself up in a job interview. I'm a perfectionist it's a, and a workaholic. It's a, or it's like when they ask you for a weakness and so you say you're a perfectionist because yes. then that benefits them. Sure. Like your dysfunction is gonna benefit. Which your boss that is, it, they're gonna like exploit that quality yeah. from you. Which hopefully after this podcast, and many of our other podcasts that we've talked about perfection, you'll realize that you don't want that in an employee. No, it is debilitating. It will slow down their work. Yes, um, inefficiency, you know, all that. But the reason that we're talking about this is because you came to me, and you were telling me about this mural that you were working on. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead and tell me a little bit about that. So, um, recently, 
several podcasts, we've been talking about this mural that I painted for um, a local church. And I had taken some pictures and sent it to my friend who was involved like in the planning process and goes to that church and stuff. And so I sent them to her and she was like, Joe, oh, I love it. Are you so proud? Something. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yes, there are two spots I'm really struggling with, but in, you know, in my constant battle with perfection, I am not going to tell you what they are. Like that's part of how I'm letting go. <laughs> Of them. I'm going to yes. tell you they exist. But you're not going to tell me you But I'm not going to tell you where they are. Yeah. And so I had sent her a video and she took a screenshot of one of her favorite parts. Uh-huh. And that was one of the parts <laughs> that I didn't like. And so I said, okay, since you said that was your favorite, that's one of the parts that I don't like. And then when she came and saw it in person the next day, the other spot that she pointed out as like, not necessarily her favorite, but it was like the parts that were catching her eye. Yeah. She pointed it to this other spot and she was like, I really love this spot too. And I just started laughing and I said, that's the other spot that I don't <laughs> like at all. And so that just, and this isn't necessarily excellence versus perfection, but what it reiterated for me was that perfection holds no value. Like me be obsessing about not liking those two spots didn't even matter because she liked it. And so it's completely subjective and arbitrary. And if it wasn't those two spots, it would have been something else that I didn't like. Um, so it just was a real eye opener of um, that the value of our work is not held in what we think about it. So I think this actually feeds perfectly into it um, because when I was trying to think about excellence versus perfection, I wanted to think, okay, what are we talking about when we're talking about perfection or excellence? Mm -hmm. And so perfection specifically is about having something that's free from flaw or close to it. You have a process that is, you know, utterly smooth or you have a product that is, you know, immaculate. Uh, but there has to be a standard by which that is measured. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, that perfection, what you saw as two flaws were two shining spots to somebody else. Also, even if you think about our physical bodies, like how long someone can strive to have the perfect body, and then every other person, we all have different tastes anyway. Mm-hmm. So you can try to have the perfect body, but then it's going to not be good to somebody else. Exactly. I mean, throughout history, the ideal body has changed over time and that's present within our art and the, um, the, in our culture to watch and see, like even recently, like in the nineties, it was very much about these like rail thin bodies. But now we have, um, influencers who have these like slim, thick bodies that are supposed to be the ideal. I mean, I, would go back to, I mean, I have a Renaissance body. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I guess I would go back to those days if I could be wealthy. Yeah. If you could be wealthy and have power and <laughs> yeah. not have to be married to someone to do anything. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that just goes to show even within the span of, what is that, like 30, 40 mm-hmm. years, how 
the idea of the perfect body can change. I mean, look at eyebrows. Back then. Uh-huh. Then in the 2010s, we hit this point of like, we wanted some super thick eyebrows. Yeah. And now we're like swinging back down into some normal eyebrows. Also, I don't know. I've seen some really thin ones. And oh, I want to say, listen, Gen Z, you're bringing back thin eyebrows and like low rise jeans. Low rise jeans and like the flare, like the big baggy legs, which I don't mind big baggy legs. But you've never been in having to walk in the rain with some big <laughs> flare jeans that are going to get wet all the way up to your oh, knees. Wet cotton. Ugh. Ugh. Anyways. All of that to say that perfection, what we see as perfect, is going to be subjective. Yeah, right. And and the standard a lot of times that we're using is made up by someone or like is coming from somewhere. Now, that is to say, if you are happen to be a rocket scientist, yes, your your work has to be close to like the math has to be close to perfect. You have a measure by which um, you need to do things, but it's an attainable one. I think when we're talking about perfection in our work or how we view ourselves, it tends to be an unattainable you level of perfection. You mean it's attainable because it is objective? Yes. It, in math, there is going to be a right answer, right. plain and simple. In a lot of our work, we, we live in this sort of gray scale of as long as it functions and it works and people like it and people will want to consume it, work with it, work within it, whatever then it works. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So, um, I went to Brene Brown. Hey. Um, so here is, a, she talks about perfectionism a lot. I'm actually reading through her book called The Gifts of Imperfection yeah. okay. right now. But I think this is in Daring Greatly. Mm. But um, it says, she says, perfectionism is not the same thing as striving for excellence. Perfectionism is not about healthy achievement and growth. Perfectionism is a defensive move. It's the belief that if we do things perfectly and look perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. So it is a way that we're hiding who we actually are. Well, and it's a way that we think we can avoid pain, rejection, all of that. Except you can't avoid it because the whole time you're not really being seen. Sure. So, But I think about it in the context of making, quote, the right decision. The, you know, buying the right car, being at the right place, being in the right house. And you could interchange that with perfect. The perfect car, the perfect house, the perfect place to live. To who? Perfect to who? Well, and that's the thing is like, there's got to be a right answer, right? No, but I As mean, l- when, when you're talking about buying the perfect car, perfect for your lifestyle, perfect for how you will use the car or like perfect for the image that it will give. Well, I think it could be many different things based on the person. When I'm talking about the perfect car, the basically the values can differ from person to person, but it's this idea that you can get something like that completely wrong is my, is the issue like. Right. Don't think about how other people would yeah. think about buying the perfect car. So, yeah. w- cause you said this is how you think about perfection. Yeah. It's, so like, how would you think about buying the, like what would perfect, the perfect car entail to you? So 
I mean, the things that I would consider are like, am I getting a really good deal on the car? Is it going to fit all of the needs that I want it to? Is there something better out there? And I think that's what perfection really eats at is this idea that there's something better that's out there that you can attain. Um, And that will eat away at you. It's this comparison and mm -hmm. there always is the potential that there's something better out there. And if it's not out there yet, it will be. Well, but the thing is, though, is that you can't be concerned with that, though. You can't right. always be concerned with like... Right, but I mean, the answer is yes. The well, I don't want to wanna hear that, Joe, because then that tells me that I haven't done my research, that but, I haven't been good enough, that I haven't done all of the things that I need to to find that which is better out there. Hmm. But does it not... Okay, I, this is interesting. For me, it would let me off the hook to know that like there is something better out there. Like the, the, that answers the question. And if it's not out there yet, it's going to be. So I, I guess it helps me like um, go ahead and make a decision based on the information I have now, knowing that like, well, I'm, I'm going to, well, to me, that sounds like, well, I'm going to mess up. So I might as well just pick something and be okay with it. That's like, that is the, that is the feeling that I would get if I knew that there was something better out there and I didn't take the time to go out there and try and find it. I'd be like, well, my answer is going to be perfect anyway. So why isn't going to be perfect anyway? So why bother? Well, I guess this introduces the idea of excellence then Mm -hmm. because there's a difference between, well, there's always going to be something out there. So I guess I'll just get the first thing I see Mm -hmm. versus I will do my research and I will do due diligence and I will find a car that is a good value and meets all these criteria I've set for myself. And then once I have something that I like, I will act on that decision Mm -hmm. because to me, that's when that second part is, but what if something better happens? Mm -hmm. And so it is, it's not a, it's either the best thing or anything will do. Mm-hmm. That is one, that's different than here is a car that meets all of my criteria, except for the one that is it the absolute best. Mm-hmm. Because then that answer's all, like, that answer's going to always be no. There's always going to be a car that comes out next year that gets get better gas mileage and is in a color that you like better. Yeah, but even if, like, so you take that mentality and you move it over to other places in your life, mm-hmm. and it can really start to eat away at you. Because a car, I mean, ultimately, dep- well, depending on what you need from your car, it is supposed to get you places mm-hmm. in a safe and comfortable fashion. Great. But there's other more complicated things in your life. Well, what happens when you're seeking out the perfect relationship or when you're seeking out the perfect job and you get this anxiety about, well, what if I have to make a decision? What if I make the wrong one? This is something that I encountered when I was trying to decide if I was going to be here at Make Do. I was torn between that, which I thought was, okay, well, if I go and take this teaching job, it meets all of like this is the thing that I've been working towards and it meets, you know, the criteria of I will have my own classroom. I'll get to teach full time. I'll have all of these other things that go along with it versus something that's new, unknown, but is something that brings me a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. And it was a really hard decision for me to make because I was trying to figure out the quote right one 
or the perfect decision. And I had to come to this conclusion that there wasn't going to be a perfect decision. I had to figure out what was going to work like for me or what I was going to end up being happy with and what criteria I was going to use to define what was going to be the right decision. Mm -hmm. Because I could use different sorts of criteria and get different answers. Right. Which is the issue with perfection. If you use different criteria, your output of that which is perfect is going to be different. And I think that puts you in a place of to where you just don't make decisions. You just don't move forward. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you wake up like, and it's been 10 years and you think, how am I still in the same place? Yeah. Because perfectionism doesn't leave room for failure Mm -hmm. or in this case, making a wrong decision. Excellence on the other hand does. Excellence doesn't see failure as the opposite of itself Mm -hmm. because excellence understands that failure is an opportunity to become more excellent, like to learn and then to come back and do it better. When I was looking up a definition for excellence, it said that which is outstanding or good. And I started to kind of flesh that out further. And I thought when you're seeking out excellence, you're seeking out to learn better. It is a process and it's the it's making a process or thing that stands the test of time, something that um, works well and that is going to continue to work well. Well, or when times change, so does the yeah, answer. So do, yeah. Like, and then you move on from that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, that goes back to the conversation that we were having last week about the creativity of the constitution and the declaration of independence and all of that. And when we hold too tightly to the specific words as they were written in this specific time with the specific context and information that people had, <laughs> yeah. um, they, we lose the essence of how they were written and the spirit of what they were trying to bring about because you're not letting in any new information. Um, and as we start to expand our view of humanity, like, oh, a black person is five fifths of a person. <laughs> They're not just three fifths. Yes. And oh, women have some say, you know, their whole people too. Mm-hmm. Like when we can, um, take all of those ideals and take the new information and through excellence see that those the words that we had weren't like the perfect words to declare independence for anyone it was excellent for its time but that doesn't mean it's excellent now and it it gives you a way to reassess things whereas um the idea of perfectionism anyway is that there's only one right answer. It doesn't allow you to go back and make revisions. Or even to acknowledge that, but let's go back to the car example. The truth is there's probably three or four or 10 cars on the market that would suit your needs. And so to think that there's has to be just one is quite limiting. Um, and same with a job. Like you could have been, well, I hope you are happy here, but also if you had chosen to teach instead of being here, 
I that also could have brought, been fulfilling to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's like that trying to find what what we're going to... I don't know. This is a really... like I think we've finally hit the kernel by which I struggle with perfection because I don't struggle with perfection the same way you do. Uh-uh. Um, so it's really hard for me to talk about because it's very personal and I tend to apply those... The idea of, I don't use the word perfection, I use the term right. The right way to behave in a social situation or the right way to interact with a church or the right way to do X. And it's very hard to live in that. Mm. It's uncomfortable and very um, limiting. Yeah. Yeah. My perfectionism is all on the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all about the mural. Like, one, I wanted so much to be, like, impressive and perfect that I pushed my body past the link and broke myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, um, or picking a name for Make Do. Like, I wanted that to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, my th- stuff is all more external. Yeah. That sounds nice. <laughs> Because I, mean, I, I have a hard time getting away from my perfection, if that makes sense. It's always there. It keeps me up at night, if that's what I'm going to call it, is perfection. But just that, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing... Am I, am I doing things to the best that I could possibly do them? Not the best that Madison can do them, but the best that can be done, which I think is my problem. I'm not recognizing my own limits because we all do have limits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had, you reached a physical limit mm-hmm. with your mural. Um, and I think we all have limits in different places, whether it's relationally or mentally, physically that you have to be aware of when you're encountering if, when you're dealing with perfection, because perfection will butt up against those limitations and it will try to force you over the edge. Well, yeah, because it has it has no barrier. Like mm-hmm. perfectionism. Well, because it's not real. Yeah. And so there's no way to I don't mean it's not real. It's not attainable. Like you will never reach it. Mm-hmm. So um one person's normal might be another person's unattainable idea of perfection. Does that make sense? Yes. Whew. So all of that was very it, it is very intense but um so now let's talk let's talk a little bit more about oh, what was my next thing that i had mm-hmm. i just lost it the heat is getting to me <laughs> it's a very uncomfortable conversation uh, while you were talking about um you know that it's what keeps you up at night i was thinking well it does me too i was trying to um figure out the difference in Mm -hmm. how you're saying you experience perfectionism and how I do. Um, So some of the examples that you had used were like buying the perfect car, the perfect house, the perfect relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, I've just knocked the relationship off of the (laughs) table. Um, I tend to, once I make a decision, I 
stick to it mm-hmm. pretty well. I mean, you know, I'm like, oh, yep. Th- there's like a, a gut level, I guess, that I have that I don't. Qu- like when I bought my house, I thought this is the only house for me. There was no question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my perfectionism where it would not be about a product like a mural or whatever mm-hmm. is all um, kind of related to make do and to my work. Mm-hmm. Well, that you've talked about how that is a big part of your life and that, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I mean, make do is your baby. Mm-hmm. And so you are very concerned about how other people perceive it and making sure that it. I guess that that is it for me, how you said how other people perceive it. Mm-hmm. That is where my perfectionism that's how it manifests itself is in the perception of other people, which I am completely out of control of. Obviously, because the person who walked in on your mural was like, oh, these two spots are excellent. Right. So it's not about, it's all in how someone else is going to perceive it. And Mm -hmm. that is what I think hit me about that quote from Brene Brown is perfectionism is a self-defense Like, it's a defensive stance because I'm wanting to control the narrative that someone else sees about me. Yes. And that word control. I think that is where I was having trouble understanding what you were saying, like, about, am I going to buy the perfect car? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. perfect to who? Like, does it fit your needs? Then that's fine. Because there wasn't, you are not including at all what other, another person is going to think about you based on the car that you buy. I think, well, I think I'm pretty hard on myself. So I guess the, the negative nega Madison (laughs) is, um, is the person that I'm trying to please or the, or Mm. that there's, but I think what I really connect with is this idea of control. I want to be able to control what other people see about me. And I want people to think that... I guess I'm a good person that I make good decisions that I'm like you make to be the trusted. right decisions for the right reasons. Sure. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. And I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's never about, I want someone to think that I made the right decision. Also, you have relationships in your life that you're accountable to that are affected by the decisions that you make. Oh, sure. I mean, I I do. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now asleep on the floor. <laughs> she loves me unconditionally. She <laughs> doesn't care. Um, I don't have very many people in my life to disappoint, mm-hmm. it feels like. Um, the decisions I make about make do affect you. Mm-hmm. And then I guess some of my decisions would have an effect on my family mm-hmm. now, obviously. But I don't live with them. I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's another, if there was someone else in my life that I was like sharing my day-to-day life with, I would relate to what you're talking about a little more. Yeah. Well, I just tend to be a very, well, I'm a very like, uh, how do I put that? I'm a very social person. And Mm -hmm. so I do, I do like being around with a lot of people. And so seeking out perfection is a way for me to try and control so that people will want to be around me mm-hmm. that people will want to be around me because I'm a good person and I make all the right choices and I do all of the right things. And then they would have no reason to leave me because ultimately yeah. it comes back to a fear of, I don't want to be alone. 
Yeah. And so my, my perfection is an outcropping of an ultimate fear. Mm -hmm. The Enneagram is really (laughs) fascinating to bring into this conversation, isn't it? It would be, um, I would like to hear someone who knows about the Enneagram talk about how perfectionism comes out in each of the different, um, numbers. Yeah. Because also I think for, I am as an Enneagram three, I think perfectionism is pretty tied into, into like the basic explanation of your type. Yeah. And that kind of wanting to be the best, wanting to look impressive, not wanting to make mistakes, you know, sure. Like avoiding failure, but it's not necessarily avoiding making the wrong decision, which mm-hmm. is what you were talking about. It's invo- it is avoiding looking like a failure. I think any of the if if we're going to talk about the enneagram, any of them can have that outcropping outcropping of perfectionism. It can just express itself in different right, ways. Right, that's what I mean. Like that's what I'd like to hear someone because I know. I think a lot of people would associate it with like a three and a one. Yeah. Those are the only ones that deal with perfection, right? Right. So I would like to hear someone say about how it comes out in the other numbers. Absolutely. That could be pretty interesting. Because perfectionism isn't limited to certain numbers. Like I think it is a a plague on both your houses. Yeah. I think it can come out in all different sorts of people. And it may even come out in people who we don't deem to be successful Mm -hmm. because we, we usually are like, oh, well, if they're a perfectionist, they're usually successful. But just like I was talking about how, or or you had even mentioned as well, that perfection can keep you from making decisions at all. Mm -hmm. Perfection might keep someone from ever starting anything. Mm -hmm. And so we might perceive that person as, well, you're not a perfectionist. You don't, you know, you're not, you don't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) You're not pursuing, you're not pursuing anything. So why would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Yeah. Well, it might be the very thing that's keeping them from pursuing anything at all. Well, and there's so many ways to be a perfectionist. Like, I think I've talked about this before, you know, Pip and her training. And I want everyone to be impressed by her. And I want her to be the perfect dog. And I want her to never jump. But, like, come on. She's a dog. Ultimately, she's an animal that has limitations. also, ultimately, I'm not training her every day. Like... We're not working on those things. I just mm-hmm. want them to automatically get better. Or people wanting to be a perfect parent. Or, you know, you move into a new space and you don't want anyone to come over until you have it perfect. Like decorate everything how you want it. I've been in my house almost three years. That sounds great. That can't be right. Mm, no, it might be. No, I've been in it two years. I'm oh. going, I will be going on my third year. Oh, gotcha. Um, And... I am changing things all the time, you know, like it'll never be finished. So if I'm waiting until it's perfect to have people over, then, you yeah. Know. If you're waiting to do something until it's the right time or the perfect time, mm-hmm. it's never going to be that way. Mm-hmm. Instead, you have to decide, you have to, you have to be able to make a decision based on different criteria, not about it being quote the right mm-hmm. time. I think that creativity even though a lot of my problems with perfection come out in creativity, I think that after so many years and years of experience through the creative process, it actually helps soften the edges of my perfectionism because it lets me off the hook. It lets me say things like, well, you said it wasn't helpful to you, but it's helpful to me to know that 
I'm never going to make. There will always be a potential decision that's better than the one that I made. There will always be someone who can do what I'm doing better. And so it that that idea doesn't make me lazy or make me be like, oh, well, then what's the point? It helps me let go of that weight that I'm carrying to be the best one, to know, you know what? There's someone else out there that's already doing it better. Let it go. Just keep doing what you're doing with excellence. And for me, my how I view my how I view my own excellence is doing the most that I can, that Madison as an individual can, and understanding that that's not going to that that being me and doing the best that I can is enough. Right. Also, even the best that you can do is not the same every day. This is true. So like the best that you were last week, you maybe today because you said I'm tired. The heat is like yeah. zapping all of my energy out. And so we maybe would have had a better conversation about this three days ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but I'm not giving, uh, we're, but we're not doing it three days right, ago. We're, we're doing, doing it, it now. now. And so I have to give what I can now. And I think it's accepting that, that I'm giving all that I can. I expect more from myself. And perfection calls upon me to give the most all the time, even beyond to my every, limits. And to everything. To everything, mm-hmm. exactly. And it cannot work that way. You cannot be 100% awesome to all of the things. No, this is, you know, another saying <laughs> I hate. Okay. S- li- similar to fake it till you make it. Okay. Is giving 110%. Uh you know, the idea that you go out to football practice and you give it 110%. There's going to be more. Also, you can't. There is no 110%. All you can do is give 100%. That's the most you can give. This is going to be a little tangential, but I was, as I drove up today, I was listening to the radio and they're talking about sweat uh-huh. and like how a lot of cultures have these traditions that get associated with sweat, whether it's like sweat houses by the native Americans or like Mm. saunas or, you know, now we do hot yoga and it, they talked about how it releases similar chemicals to that, which we get when, you know, we associate with runner's high. It's like the same sorts of things when you sweat. I don't really sweat. Like I get moist and sometimes I'm like, I'm not giving 110% because I'm not sweating. I'm not giving my all because I'm not reaching these, you know, these physical levels that other people are reaching. So therefore I must not be working hard enough. But what a weird and arbitrary thing to judge how hard I'm working. Right. Because I was sweating at itty bitty playtime today and I wasn't even doing anything. (laughs) Exactly. So it just goes to show that sometimes we use the silliest things to measure Mm -hmm. our work ethic or our worth. Mm-hmm. It's just ugh, crazy. I hate the heat. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> okay. Um, so we've talked a lot more about perfection than I thought we would. Um, and we've talked a little bit about excellence. Well, maybe let's talk some about like how to spot the differences between the two. Okay. How can we find... Um, if I'm approaching a project or I'm trying to make a decision, how do I make sure that perfection doesn't start to creep in? Right. So like red flags of perfectionism. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or like one time I was driving home from 
um, Cersei to St. Louis when my parents lived there. And I had only driven, I don't know that I had actually ever driven home. Mm. And so I did not know where I was going. And all of a sudden I realized I was on the wrong road. Oh no. And I had no idea where I was. This was before I didn't even have a cell phone. Um, so I of course didn't have like, I probably had a Google map like printed out instructions. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. But and I had to stop at a gas station and like get an atlas, and then I just turned around and went back. Home. Yeah, and then I got pulled over for speeding. I for speeding as I passed someone. Of course, oh, you're speeding on you a two lane road. Up, you have yeah. to speed to pass them. Anyway, I got pulled <laughs> over, and um, I told the cop, I was like, I don't know where I am, yeah. and um, he said. Well, you were on blah, blah, blah road. You could have just stayed on it until you hit blah, blah, blah. And then you would have got there. I was like, sir, I what state are, is this? I, I mean, I, I really like, don't, I know, really where don't know where I am. Anyway, he didn't give me a ticket, but he did follow me for a long time. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Mm. He also was right behind me. Like when I passed this person, I knew oh. he was behind me. Yeah. So you're like, I'm going to do a I'm thing that I thought was normal. Right. I'm going to pass this person and then... You know, because we were driving too slow. Anyway, whatever. That is beside the point. Except the point was sometimes you look at the road sign and you realize, oh, I'm on the road of perfection. Yeah. And I want to be on the road of excellence. Exactly. Exactly. So, I need to know what are yes. the markers yes. of perfection. Exactly. How many do you have? Four. Oh, I have... <laughs> I have two. <laughs> okay, so I'll you go can first. go first. Um, one thing. This is something that is a surefire thing for me every okay. time. Obsessing over the details and losing sight of the big picture. Picture. <laughs> Sorry, the big picture is make do's fundraising. <laughs> yes, campaign. <laughs> um, the big picture. For example, the mural that I just did. You know, there was two spots that I was letting ruin the whole thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um. In quilting, I actually see this in our participants a lot too, like obsessing over the fact that these two little corners here don't match up, even though you have like 60 corners mm-hmm. overall seams mm-hmm. that you're trying to match up. Like those that those few don't matter. So that is for me. Awesome. Um, for me, a red flag of perfection is comparison to an ideal or another person. Whenever mm. comparison enters my mind, it's never a good yep. sign. Yep. Because you got to do what's best for you. And I'm sorry to tell you, you're the only you. You can't, someone can't hand you an atlas and say, all right, here's the roadmap that you need to take to success or to happiness or whatever you're looking for out there in the world. You have to be able to find, to define that for yourself. In addition to that, you there's no way for you to know what's going on in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. So if you are comparing your journey to someone else's, it's totally arbitrary. It would be, it could potentially be like comparing a map of our roads in Arkansas to a map of Ireland. Like mm-hmm. is not the same. Nope. So, and you don't know what they've been through. Exactly. So, especially if you're comparing yourself to some ideal version of yourself, that may be a person that will never exist and probably won't like this, like perfect ideal version of yourself. Even oh, if you're because not, the ideal has no troubles. You're right. The ideal version doesn't sweat. It's right. Because the ideal Joe is always living in like 60 degree weather. 
She happy all the time. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, not doing something because you're avoiding the potential of failing. Oh, yeah. I hear this one loud and clear. So it's not even that it might fail. It's you're not even starting something. You're not even getting into that game. Right, because you might mess up. Handle the mess ups when you get to them. Yeah. That is excellence. Being afraid to try because you might mess up is perfectionism. I have been trying to seek out more communities lately. Like just more more groups of people that I can get involved with. Because I, I think I need more of that in my life. Mm. And it is really hard to make friends or to step into a new group of especially of established people and just be you. Mm-hmm. Because... I mean, if you're if you're listening to this and you don't like follow us on Instagram, I'm not a very normal looking person right now. I've got mm. crazy colored hair. I do I wear different things, but I still want to be accepted and I don't know how I can't gauge how other people are going to react to me. That's out of my control. Mm-hmm. So, it can be sometimes I'm like, well, maybe if I just don't join and I just look from afar, I'll, I I can enjoy what they do from afar. But guess what? You don't. You can't you can't get that vicarious enjoyment. It no. only lasts for a little while. Yeah. So don't be afraid to jump in there. Right. It might be awkward. You might make mistakes. It will be awkward, but also everyone else is so obsessed with their own awkwardness that no one is really thinking about you. Yeah. I thought that when I got to be an adult, I could be like a smooth talking adult. No. Like that was part it just of being gets an adult. Harder. I, the older I get, the more I'm like, wait, adults are just, they're just like big kids. I, because the way that I interact with children is so much like smoother because I know they don't care. They're just, they're either I'm there to be like a teacher and I know my place and what I'm doing. Or if I'm at McDo, then again, still in some place of authority, but I can have a conversation with them. Also, you're not one of them. You already are separated from them. You're not trying to fit in with them as another kid. This is true. However, I I realized that I really needed some adult conversation the other day when I came home to Richard and I was like, yeah. And like the kids and I had this really good conversation about da, 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 da. And I'd like kept going on about it. And he was like, you should probably talk to some adults. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. But see, I look at you with the kids and I think, I could never do that like Madison does. I don't know who, whatever Mario character y'all were talking about <laughs> yesterday that sometimes has a propeller and sometimes doesn't. Oh, yeah, that's shy? right. Wait, yeah. What's shy name? guy. You're oh, right. shy guy. Yeah, you got hey, it. I was right. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> all that to say, it can apply not just to doing something, but also like trying to be a part of something. Yeah. So wait, what was yours? I already forgot. Oh, um, say it again. Oh, I didn't. I was responding to yours. Oh, avoiding potential failure. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so, so, so what's yours? Here, my next one is um, a red flag is asking yourself to go beyond your limitations when you are mm. pushing beyond what you should be doing. So maybe that's saying yes to several different uh, social commitments because you're seeking out community. Or it could be you know, working until 8 p.m. at night because you're like, well, this needs to happen and it needs to get done. When you know your body needs rest, Mm -hmm. working through lunch, you know, it it could be any number of things. But when you start letting go of those boundaries, that's when perfection can seek in. Whereas excellence, if you're pursuing excellence, then boundaries don't get in the way of that. No. Like setting up 
the boundaries of your limits do not offend excellence like they offend perfectionism. Because excellence requires you to be the best that you can where you are right now. And so it allows you to say, well, in order for me to do my work well, I'm going to need to feed myself. I need to rest. I need to say no to a few things so that I can take the time that I need to do other things. Mm-hmm. So some excellence is so much more perfect than perfection. <laughs> can we even say that? <laughs> Yeah, it's the perfect option. It's the perfect option. Help us all. Um, okay, I have two more. Yeah, yeah. One would be finding yourself micromanaging or trying to control a situation. Yeah, we've touched on control quite a bit here. Yeah. I want to control what other people think about me. Mm-hmm. I want to be able, you want to be able to control what how people perceive make do. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously I do this with myself, but then because you're part of make do too, if I am have a certain perfect ideal for what make do is, then I will try to micromanage or control the work I've already entrusted you with. Mm -hmm. So I don't, that doesn't really come up often. It it just. No, but it could definitely be one where, yeah, just trying to like nitpick. Well, and this is interesting because it's easier for me to, let go of the work you do for make do mm-hmm. and say, well, that was good enough. Mm-hmm. Like if I ask you to do an Instagram post and you do it and it's not what I would have done, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter that what you do isn't perfect. But if I had done the same Instagram post, how much energy would I have wasted trying to make something perfect? Mm-hmm. When again, uh, like we've been saying this whole time, it doesn't exist. It adds no extra value. So really, it's more valuable to me for you to do the post and me to let, just it go. let it go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then my last one is when you find yourself like in a holding pattern, like you're waiting to share your ideas, your space, yourself until it is a certain thing. Yeah. That apprehension of like, well, I just need to wait until I'm this good and then I will be good enough to go. Right. Like we need to wait to launch itty bitty playtime until we have all the answers or, um, we, I'm trying to think of something else like, um, you know, when we did a quarantine craft camp, when COVID first started, we didn't have time to wait and make it be perfect. Mm-hmm. Or when we started making masks, we didn't have time. We just started and then we adjusted as we went along. And so it actually kept us from holding ourselves back with perfectionism. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding myself back currently from sharing more of myself on my Instagram. I've told my therapist this, and now I'm going to tell y'all this. Mm-hmm. I would like to be sharing more of the things that I make on my Instagram. I haven't been doing it because it terrifies me to share some of the things that I make out there in the world. Like the things that I hold dear and that I'm close to. The stuff that I make at Make Doof with the kiddos is for kids. And so I don't really, I don't really mind sharing it. Yeah. But something that is so close to me and that I pour so much of myself into can be really hard to share out there on the internet. And so I'm going to try and start posting more of my creative pictures and sharing more things um, just to put myself out there more. Well, it's tough because, well, okay, no, I'm not going to tell you why it's tough for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, why is it hard for you? 
Because I think people won't want to see it. That it's, they won't want to see it because it's lame, overdone, silly. Or that I'm just going to be another voice in this cacophonous internet. Why would anyone want to bother listening to me talk about how I put a light fixture up in my house? Like, so why bother putting it on Instagram? Well, I had this like internal argument with myself of, but I was proud of it. And I want other mm-hmm. people to see that and share in that with me. Mm-hmm. So there was this tension between the two. And what does it, how does it benefit you to share it online? Because it gives me a place for other people to allow me to be seen. Okay. Because that's, again, I'm a person that loves connection and strives mm-hmm. for that. And so it allows me. To join the community. Yes, exactly. Okay. But I think I've stayed off a lot of social media because I'm already into things that are considered vapid. Like, I I love fashion and clothing and accessories. And those tend to be considered very feminine, vapid, shallow interests. And then to then put it online, you, you know, we have this archetype in our head of this social media gal that's like only interested in the likes and trying to post things so that other people will see them and isn't interested in living their own life. Mm -hmm. And so in an effort to not be that person, I have closed myself off from communities that I would like to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I guess that's why I asked because I think why you share it is important. And if you're not trying to become an influencer, mm-hmm. you don't have to like fall into that game. Or like if I, my personal Instagram account, I don't even check. I don't know the password to get onto it. <laughs> and so I don't even know how many followers I have over there. So like if you have 500 followers and I'm sharing stuff online, who, who ca- I don't mean who cares, like this isn't a big deal, but mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was important to you because of the practice of courage to like, you know, to put yourself, to put out, yourself there. out there or if it was important to you because you're trying to make community. You see, those are like yeah. two different things. Yeah. Because it could, you could just not do it. Yeah, that's true. And I've tried doing that, but there seems to be like, there seems to be something like keeps coming up for you. Yeah. So I'm like, well, maybe I need to try something different. And who knows? It may not be the thing that I need, but I won't know until I step out there and try right. it. And right. perfection would keep me from trying. It. Well, and then having no expectation about the thing too is helpful. Mm-hmm. So like in this sense, because this is something that's kind of on the side, right? Like you're not trying to make income by doing no. this or it's just a self-practice. And so then you can s- test it out. And if you don't like it, you can change and who cares? Exactly. Um, yeah. Another thing about, you know, waiting to share or waiting to do certain things. I think a lot of women get trapped in this cycle with our bodies too. Mm -hmm. Like, um, well, I need to lose X number of pounds before I do fill in the blank, go on a beach vacation, wear a jumpsuit, Mm -hmm. um, wear shorts, wear a body suit. (laughs) Yeah. Like we just fill in, we put something arbitrary on our bodies and then we say we can't do something we want to do until this happens. Yes. Um, instead of just living the life you have in the body that you have. Yeah. The end. <laughs> life 
And I'm trying to really soak this in. Life is too short to not do the things that you want to do for some arbitrary reason. Well, and it's also like life is too uncertain. Mm-hmm. Like I sometimes I think short is yes, true. Yeah. But also you don't know how long you have. Exactly. So it's also very uncertain. Mm-hmm. So why do I want to like grow my hair out when I hate it? When, when my just, life's uncertain. Yep. I just cut it. There you go. <laughs> just cut it off. Um <sighs> Okay, we did it. Another conversation about perfectionism. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to get so personal to me, but I think this conversation is yeah, definitely it, a good breakthrough. We were going to have it about me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Surprise. It was about me was gonna, all along. <laughs> well, what? it was about that particular story with the mural. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I tell you, if y'all have not listened to Brene Brown, she's not paying me to say this, but like read some of her stuff. Watch her Super Soul Sunday. It'll get you good. Especially if you're dealing with perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about living a wholehearted life, and hopefully I'll get there someday. Well, it is a an, like an ongoing process, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a get there situation. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a learning of a lifestyle. Like if you're wanting to get healthy, mm-hmm. it's not just about, oh, I'm going to adopt diet. this for a while right. and then get off of it. It's a lifestyle. Yep. So... Yep. And creativity will help you with that. I think that uh, we would be remiss if we did not say that. Yes. That um, I think everyone who says that they're a perfectionist should come take the quilting class Mm -hmm. or some kind of class. Um, And I'm sure in the other episodes, we didn't even look them up to see other times. I'll put them in the show notes, like the other episodes where we've talked about perfectionism. But I think every time we're saying, do something you're not good at on Mm -hmm. purpose or... um, find a creative outlet to practice things not being perfect and to practice being out of control. Um, not out of control, not in control. <laughs> yeah. Letting go of this illusion of control. Right. We think we have control, right. but we and really don't. Finding a, a way, finding a creative practice where you can see improvement, like where you can get better and you can make progress mm-hmm. and you can focus on progress, not perfection. And you can pursue excellence in that thing, but also let go of any unattainable ideals. Yeah. Get that out of here. Yeah. Um, what are you learning this week? I wrote down my sweet and sour. What, have, what am I? Well, le- you learned, you patched a hole in your wall or something. Oh, okay. So that's actually my sweet. So I'll talk about okay. those two at the same time. Uh, I installed a light junction box into my wall and it didn't go as planned because it oh. was the first time that I've done mm-hmm. this thing. So and the, we know that the first time always works out very well. Uh-huh. So I cut this like huge hole. It felt huge. It wasn't really that big, but I mean, it was a huge hole in my wall and the box didn't quite fit. Mm. Like it was just like the hole was ever so slightly too big, but I thought I did a good job. I traced around the outside and then like I cut a little bit smaller than I should have because I thought, oh, if I need to shave off more than I can. Right. Well, mm, no, it didn't work out that way. And the junction box that I had bought didn't quite work like it was supposed to, but I had another one that I had ordered, but a piece was missing from it. So I Frankensteined the two boxes <laughs> And it finally fit in 
my wall. And after about an hour, like it was like solid and in the wall. And I just started singing because I was so proud of myself that I had like cut a hole in my wall, put this thing in. I now have a new light fixture and it's all like coming through the wall like it should be instead of just wiring, poking through the drywall. And I just feel so accomplished and so powerful. So did you have to do any patchwork? Uh, I didn't have to do any patching for that particular hole, but they did leave because the only way that this light fixture was installed in my wall was through two huge drywall anchors and one had left a pretty sizable hole. So Mm. I did have to learn how to patch with like drywall tape and all that business, but it's painted. It's done. Like that look feels like a whole new room in the house with the paint and the light. And I'm like, yes, good job. I can do anything. So you're learning the thing you learned is also your sweet. It is also my sweet because I felt so good about it. Um, I didn't think of any of these things ahead of time. Um, but I guess, what am I learning? Um, well, here's something I'm excited about work-wise. And I guess it will be a learning process too. Um, this year, I'm doing like a mid year budget analysis. So like, and I've never done that before. So since we are halfway through the year, I'm like looking, comparing that to our overall budget, comparing it to past years. Um, You know, we tend to do um, more revenue in the second half of the year compared to the first. And so anyway, I'm just building up some new processes, some new data. There you go. You love data. I do love data. Um, so that's what I'll be working on when we're done with this podcast. Oh, nice. uh, I guess I'm learning to listen to my body because last night I went to bed. I was in bed at like 7.15. Oh, girl. <laughs> and asleep probably by like 8.15. Oh, man. I just couldn't. I've been staring at the computer a lot and I couldn't do it anymore. Well, good. Good for you listening to your limits. Yeah. My sweet, this is like a bittersweet sweet, but... Um, If you listened last week, you know that I have pushed my shoulder over the edge, an old injury, but I got too intense with my painting of the mural and um, basically cannot function. (laughs) So I scheduled an appointment with an orthopedic surgeon who I have seen before. But anyway, uh, my appointment got moved up a week. (gasps) That's awesome. Yeah. So... It's bitter in the sense that I would rather not have to go to the ortho, mm-hmm. but it's sweet that I get to go Monday. So when this episode comes out, I will, um, I get to go see my ortho instead of having to wait another week. So yeah, that's yeah. good. I just want to like have a plan, you know, I get that. Mm-hmm. My sour is my hand is blue. We had in <laughs> playtime today and we made some cloud dough and my hand is still a little blue. Yeah, that's, I mean, if that's your sour, that is I know, good. hey, I could that's have said, a good week. It's a pretty good week. I had I had some time off at the beginning of this week, and I I think I had mentioned the last time that I had time off that I didn't use it quite well when uh-huh. we were talking about rest. Um, and I think I used this time a whole lot better. Good. So I'm, I'm getting better at Did practicing. Did y'all go anywhere? Did you do anything? Um, no, I didn't, like, travel, but I did do some things on my own, which is really nice Mm. to just kind of get away from people and decide what I'm going to do by myself. Yeah. We went to the swim center that's here locally. We had never done that before. And that was so much fun. Yeah. 
I loved it. Um, I had a sour in my brain and I lost it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my mural's not done. Oh, yeah, that's right. How about how much left do you have? I don't know. Well, here is an, a little sweet. I reached out to a friend and board member of Make Do to see if she could come help me. Because I don't know when I will be able to finish it. And mm-hmm. so, anyway, I think she, we may go up on Sunday and work on it. Um, but I just don't like, this is where excellence, I think this is an okay like not liking or negative um, disappointment. I'll say mm. that this is, this disappointment is justified because it isn't that I'm disappointed. It's not perfect. Like I'm disappointed that it's unfinished mm-hmm. and being finished is a part of excellence. <laughs> sure. Finishing something. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm being hard on myself that I'm disappointed it's not done. Yeah, I think that's okay. And my clients, the church, yeah. <laughs> they have been so gracious and understanding and it, there's no pressure from them. Like, I can't believe you left us unfinished. Yeah, it's just young. It, and it actually looks complete. There's just spots that need more paint. There needs a lot of cleanup work that needs to oh, happen. Yeah. Um, so I think it's still enjoyed it's in a spot where it can be enjoyed by everyone. It's not a mess, but anyway, that's my sour. No. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you'll be able to get it done. Yes. Thank you. Me too. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how many more times we'll talk about perfection, but I can guarantee you this is not the last. Probably not because it rears a stinky little head all the time. Um, It does. But hopefully it's always something new. (laughs) A new way that perfectionism is who knows cramping our style. If you keep listening, maybe you'll have a breakthrough like I do, like I just did in this podcast. Ooh, maybe in a few months we can follow up to your breakthrough. Oh man, that means I have to do like change, growth, and work. It's easier to just watch Netflix. It very much is, (laughs) but that's not wholehearted living. No, it's not. Um, Okay, have a good week, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thank you to my dear, dear friend Craig Hudson for our very createful theme music. You can hear more of Craig's music on Spotify under Craig Hudson. That's Hudson with a T. Or you can just uh, click on the link in the show notes. Also, be sure to connect with Make Do on Instagram at Make Do Create or on Facebook at Make Do Cersei. And visit our website, makedocreate.org, for upcoming classes, show notes, to order a face mask, lots of things. We'll be back here with another episode next Monday. Have a good week, y'all.